What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. Amron, aka Lisa Ann's pool boy. And today we are going to get into my must start and my must sit wide receivers. Now, I just want to remind you guys no one out here is batting 1,000. I'm not out here giving you guys perfect picks. Football is played on a probabilistic curve, man. So it's impossible to get every single thing right. I'm just trying to, you know, shoot my shot and pick my places where I think, you know, has a good range of outcomes where that event can pay off. And anyone out here that is claiming that they are 100% with their picks every single week are selling you guys fool's gold, you know, doing a little Wizard of Oz behind the curtains kind of act around here. Now, I'm going to get into these in a second. Make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. We post daily fantasy football content to help you guys win your fantasy football championships. Now, without further ado, let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose. I mean, I know I'm critical. All right. Now, I also want to let you guys know, man. I see all the comments. Everyone's asking me my st the start sick questions, all that. So I try and put out these videos to cover, you know, a bunch of players that are maybe in your lineups or on your teams to give you guys a better feel of what I like in terms of my plays. But there's simply not enough time in the day for me to go around and answer every single start sick questions in my DMs, in my Discord DMs, in the YouTube comments, all of the above. There's not enough time in the day for me to do video outline, record, edit, then go on to my, then on Patreon, I write an article. I do rankings twice a week. I also deliver two to three nights a week doing DoorDash. I have a lot of things going on, so it's hard to get every single one. So if you want to be prioritized, if you want to know exactly what I would do for my start sits, I come out with weekly rankings every single week for the Patreon, $5. That's all it is. It's right here. It'll be down below in the comments. Now, when I don't answer you in the comments, it's not because I don't love you guys and I don't appreciate you guys. It's because if I, I truly feel like if I answer one start sit question, I have to answer all of them. But if you ask me a personal question, you ask me, you know, how my, how's my day going, you know? How have you been? You know, stuff like that. I will pretty much answer almost every non-related football question. Also, the boy, I would like to have some free time. It's tough. It's not every second of my day can be spent doing start sick questions and football stuff because that would burn me out. And then I wouldn't be happy. This wouldn't be fun anymore. And then I don't know. Now, moving on, let's get into our must-start wide receivers. And first up, I want to talk about the Steelers wide receivers versus Seattle Seahawks. Now, things might get sweaty in here. I might get a little bit wet in the hair. I did just come out of the shower. It's steamy down here. Turn the fan off. It's actually pretty hot in New Jersey today for whatever reason. And we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers. Now, we have Chase Claypool down there, but we're really talking about Claypool and Deontay Johnson. And I've been talking all week about this wide receiver core, and it's sad, man, because I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I know he gets a lot of shit for the the TikTok stuff, but Juju deep down inside is a really, really nice guy. Comes from Hawaii. I think he had some kind of like humble beginnings type of stuff. And I don't really the TikTok stuff doesn't bother me as much as it does with everybody else. I just know he's a good guy. Um, like just that one play where he stood up for Antonio Brown or whatever, came across, laid out Vontaze perfect. I think that it just speaks a lot to who Juju is. Um, I, he also had like a speech today at his like fundraiser foundation thing where he like was pretty much crying because it, it really does suck to have a season ending injury on a one year deal with the Steelers because now he's going to be a free agent in the offseason. He's not going to sign another long term deal because he's not going to be worth the same amount if he was coming off of a healthy season, a good season, all that. So it's really tough to see with Juju. But on the back end of that, 
frees up a lot of targets for Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, but more so Chase Claypool. Now, I'm not a big believer in vacated targets, or I know people aren't believers in vacated targets, and that's true, right? Because let's say, let's say, so Juju goes, James Washington doesn't all of a sudden get a million targets. He doesn't get all the targets from Juju. But if you get Claypool, right, and you knock up his his routes run, because usually he wasn't out there on two wide receiver sets, only in three wide receiver sets. You put him out there in two wide receiver sets, his target per route run carries over. And now if his routes and his snaps go up, so do his targets. And he's now been in two games this year. This is a blurb from Dwayne McFarlane uh, in his utilization report. I referenced this pretty much all week long. And Chase Claypool has had in games without there. He had one game without Juju and one game without Deontay Johnson. He has had a 26% target share, a 25% target share, and he has been the wide receiver 17 and the wide receiver 11 in those weeks. He is a back-end wide receiver two for me rest of season. And they have the perfect matchup this week. The Seahawks secondary is scary awful. They have a bottom five passing defense in DVOA. They just cut one of their corners, and they're giving up the eighth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. So I think Claypool and Deontay, I think Deontay Johnson is a you know borderline wide receiver one play this week, and I think that Claypool is pretty much a firm wide receiver two for this week. Now, moving on from that, we're going to get into Cortland Sutton at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Kind of a weird game with the John Gruden stuff going on, to be real with you guys. I don't know if that really factors into the game at all, but... I really like the way that Sutton has looked with Judy out of the lineup. He was the wide receiver 10 on the week last week against the Steelers and PPR. He had seven catches, 120 yards, a touchdown on a 30% target share. And I love this matchup because he's going to be going up against Amik Robertson is his name, right? And he's operating as this true alpha in the offense. Cortland Sutton has a top 12 weekly ceiling. And this guy, Amik Robertson, PFF hasn't projected to be an excellent matchup for Cortland Sutton. He's going to be playing him the most amount of snaps against Cortland Sutton. He's going to be maybe shadowing him a little bit. And that's what we want because Cortland Sutton is 6'3", 218 pounds. This guy, Amik Robertson, who's you know scheduled to kind of play a lot of snaps against Cortland Sutton, is 5'8", 187 pounds. So Sutton is going to absolutely baby this kid. I think the Raiders are going to be in a weird funk with this John Gruden stuff going on. So I think that Sutton is in play to be you know a wide receiver two this week and this week we're not really covering you know the studs at wide receiver i kind of wanted to get a little bit fringier so we're kind of talking about like wide receiver two wide receiver three plays here and the next one i wanted to bring up was odell beckham and i know that he hasn't been great i know that he's been you know three weeks back from injury obj has finished as the wide receiver 30 the wide receiver 78 and the wide receiver 81 in ppr and i get the disappointment but we have to remember He's recovering from injury where not only is that, you know, affecting his performance, but, you know, he's got to get on the same page with Baker. I think that there was a route where he, it was like a scissor concept and he, he ran a post safety bit on the corner, I believe. And Baker had him uh, on a free shot deep and just didn't, didn't throw it. He also, I think in like week four, he missed OBJ a bunch of times going deep. So I really do think that OBJ still is fine. It's still a great wide receiver. Now, when I mean great, I don't mean like top five, like he used to be, but I think that he's still a, you know, fringe top 15 talent at wide receiver maybe fringe 20 maybe i'm telling on myself a little bit with my obj love here but i love this matchup against the cardinals this week because i think it's a perfect get right spot for him after you know everyone has given up on him this just feels like the perfect time where everyone has given up on him his props are starting to come down his expectations are starting to come down i think that his props on you know wherever you can get him FanDuel, DraftKings, you know if you want to play him on dfs i think this is probably like this just feels like a week where obj gets right does something crazy and this matchup isn't anything you know too special 
but I think OBJ has just been running cold, and I think the regression, the positive regression, is going to be coming very soon. He's underperforming his points per game by 5.6, right? So he's averaging 7.6 points per game right now. His opportunity says that he should be in the 13.2 range, which would be, I want to say fringe wide receiver two, but I could be wrong. But when you're expected to have a 13.2 points per game and you're only at a 7.6, something is bound to rebound. I think that he could, you know, connect on one of these deep shots with Baker, you know, nice little play action pass, get him deep. I think it's going to be a high scoring game where, you know, they just went toe to toe with the Chargers. They're probably going to go toe to toe with the Cardinals who have been scoring a lot recently as well. So I do like OBJ as, you know, a top 30 type play at wide receiver this week. I wouldn't shy away from him just yet. Then we have a... A nice veteran on this list. We have whoop, Emmanuel Sanders at the Tennessee Titans. And we're getting fringy here, but I love Emmanuel Sanders this week. Sanders is currently the wide receiver 20 on the season in PPR, which is crazy to me. I didn't really, he wasn't really on my radar. Did I take him to stack with Josh Allen in like best ball leagues here and there? Yeah, but I didn't, I wasn't targeting Emmanuel Sanders. I want to say he was in a, on a lot of waivers in managed leagues, but he just put up 20.4 points against the Chiefs, and the Titans are allowing the seventh most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. So I think that the Bills are going to roll into Tennessee, light them up. They pass over expectation. They pass the ball as much as they can until they're winning by so much to the point where they are forced to run the ball. But I think that they're going to light up the secondary. I want to say they have, what, like Janoris Jenkins out there, and it's it's nothing too great. And I like Sanders as like a top 30 play this week, maybe even like a fringe top 24 guy in this matchup. Then getting a little bit deeper, we're going to talk about the boy Jacoby Myers. And I called that he was going to score a touchdown last week. It didn't look great. We're going back to the well on Jacoby Myers. They're going to be at home against the Dallas Cowboys. And Jacoby Myers was inches away from scoring a touchdown last week. Inches away. And I still like him this week against the Cowboys. And I know that everyone wants to say that the Cowboys have Trevon Diggs. And Trevon Diggs is amazing, man. He looks great. But he's projected to play the majority of his snaps on the outside, according to PFF. He's an outside corner, and Jacoby Myers is a slot guy. So I think that Trevon Diggs is probably going to be out there shadowing, or not even shadowing, but just playing on the outside against Nelson Aguilar, some Kendrick Bourne. And Jacoby Myers is scheduled to play the most amount of his snaps against Jordan Lewis. And Dallas is allowing the 10th most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers because of the way they play. You know, they're going to get up big. They're going to get up big to the point where you can no longer run the ball against the Cowboys. Who would have thought that the Cowboys would have like a sick defense at this point? We have Dan Quinn. That's actually been looking pretty good. Trevon Diggs has been a revelation at this point. They got rid of Jalen Smith, the linebacker, but their their defense has been great. And they're what we call a pass funnel, right? And I've been talking about this like the last two weeks. This is a chart by David Zach on Twitter. And... I'm going to make it a little bit bigger here. And what it pretty much does is it shows the percentage of yards allowed between, you know, rushing and passing. And the Cowboys are the third biggest pass funnel because they get up big and they force teams to throw from behind. We saw that in the Eagles game. We saw that, I want to say, last week. I can't remember who they played. But a lot of these teams have to come from behind and chase the Cowboys while they're from behind. This is going to be a game where the, the Patriots can just hand the ball off to Damian Harris, Brandon Bolden, whatever random running back they want to pull off the bench. This is going to be a game where they're going to have to pass. And because of that, because Trevon Diggs will be on the outside giving, you know, Nelson Aguilar a tough time, I think that this is going to be a good game for the tight ends. I think this is going to be, so not tight ends, not Janu, but Hunter Henry and Jacoby Myers from the inside. So I like Jacoby Myers as a wide receiver three this week. Maybe, just maybe, our King will score a touchdown. Now we're going to move on to the Seattle wide receivers at Pittsburgh as my must-sit wide receivers. 
and you hate to see the rust injury man you hate to see that like came forward smashed his finger it was like i don't know man it, the, the the finger looked tough it seemed like they have to put screws in it they were saying he's going to be gone for eight weeks but as a jets guy don't get me wrong i love geno smith i think that he actually wasn't as bad as advertised but you're asking a lot of geno smith because this is an offense with shane waldron i was actually kind of wrong about shane waldron i thought that he'd push the pace a little bit more i thought that he would you know pass the ball a little bit more this is an offense that lived off of russ's efficiency they ranked 32nd in place per game so really bad tempo and they ranked 29th in pass attempts per game so this was a team that they weren't you know they weren't really getting up to the ball they're not passing the ball a lot and the only way that you're going to generate fantasy points in that environment is just from monster efficiency from russ on really big plays now we're, we're bringing geno smith into the equation in that environment it's going to be extremely difficult for him to you know hold up any of those wider shears between dk metcalf and tyler lockett and i'm really skeptical of geno smith i know that he actually looked pretty good against the rams on thursday night but you're asking him to go in there against a top five defense in the pittsburgh steelers in a primetime game on i want to say sunday or monday night and I don't believe it because I think that he's going to probably get spooked by the Steelers. I have Metcalf as a fringe wide receiver two and Lockett as a fringe wide receiver three. So they're not unstartable, but these are not the Seahawks wide receivers of weeks past. You have to kind of temper expectations on them. And if you can find somebody else to play, I'd be doing that. Then we have moving on Kadarius Tony and a guy that everyone is really high on right now. You probably got him off waivers, probably excited to put him into lineups. Don't get me wrong. He looked great. He finished as the wide receiver 29. He finished as the wide receiver four the last two weeks, and he's been a stud. I think that Kadarius Tony has a really bright future ahead of him, but he has a lot working against him at this point. Daniel Jones had a concussion, a scary concussion. It seems like he might play this week, but he might not, which means you have to have a full game of Mike Glennon against the Los Angeles Rams. Then you have Sterling Shepard coming back from injury, so he's going to take some of those snaps and targets away. And they're playing the Rams, right? Like I said. That's going to be a really tough defense to go against. You know, you're going to have Aaron Donald up front, and then you're also going to have Jalen Ramsey in the slot. And Kadarius Tony plays the majority of his snaps from the slot. So PFF has Jalen Ramsey's most projected snaps against Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony is going to be seeing a lot of Jalen Ramsey on Sunday. He has a poor matchup advantage against Jalen Ramsey. So he just has a lot going against him at this point. I just wouldn't be, you know, oh, he's a wide receiver two now because he's been a beast. For me, he's probably going to be a you know, upper tier wide receiver four on the week until, you know, we kind of see some things. Now, if Daniel Jones comes back and he's healthy, maybe Sterling Shepard misses this game, you can fire him up as like a, you know, a nice wide receiver three, but I would just be, I would temper expectations on Kadarius Tony for this week. And then another young wide receiver that instead of, you know, has been doing amazing stuff, he's been extremely frustrating is LaVisca Chanel. And it's not even LaVisca Chanel. It's not even LaVisca Chanel's fault is the problem here i hate urban meyer with a burning passion i hate him i don't understand how you can see what lavisca chanel has done man he had that huge play against the Bengals on thursday night football where he looked amazing he had the huge play this week where he looked amazing he turned in like a 20 yard catch and juked out like four people ran it all the way down for like 58 yards how do you get him just one touch in an offense where you no longer have DJ Chark and you have Jamal Agnew out there, Dan Arnold. I don't understand how you're giving these people more targets than LaVisca Chanel. It feels like, I just think that he is, is all over the place as a coach and doesn't know what he's doing. Carlos Hyde gets way too many touches in this offense. There's no reason that James Robinson doesn't get more touches. I think that he just mismanages the entire offense. And there's a lot of coaches like this that don't, like, you need to be mark, micromanaging who you're getting the ball when. Like, it, you can't, you can't, 
lose a game, look at the post box score and see, oh, we only got LaVisca Chenault three targets. And even that, okay, so let's put my LaVisca Chenault bias aside. How are you giving Tavon Austin, Dan Arnold, and Jamal Agnew as many targets, if not more, than apparently your wide receiver one in Marvin Jones? Right? You have to you have to get your best players the ball in order to win these games. It just it just makes no sense. It's just lackadaisical coaching not being like you need to be extremely aware of your personnel at all times when you're playing in the NFL. Like it's not Ohio State where you can just go to the the bench, oh, send Terry McLaurin in. Oh, send Michael Thomas in. He's better than anybody that they can put out there at Northwestern. You know what I mean? It's it's a different it's a different environment. And it just feels like he doesn't care at all in terms of what personnel is out there. And the other problem is is that now that DJ Chark has gone, Lavisca Chenault's playing on the outside. So if it's going to be like this and they can't manufacture touches to him, two things are happening here. One, Urban Meyer is being an idiot and not, you know, being more aware of getting him on the field. Because I want to say that he had the same amount of snaps as Jamal Agnew. He's not he's not getting him more snaps. He's also not getting him more targets. And now with him being on the outside, it just seems like Urban Meyer isn't as interested as getting him the ball. I think that he kind of operates like in like a kind of like an east-west kind of offense where he's giving, you know, people like screen touches and people in the slot. So now we have Lizard Chanel on the outside where Urban Meyer is kind of, you know, out of sight, out of mind going on there. And then on top of that, LaVisca Chenault's natural position is more in the slot right now. I think that eventually, you know, two, three years down the line, he can be a dominant wide receiver on the outside. I think that's in his range of outcomes. That's what they did with DJ Moore. DJ Moore started in the slot. And then by week, by year three, year four, he became a, a polished route runner on the outside. And when he's not as polished and not giving him as many touches, that's a, a bad recipe, especially against the Miami Dolphins because they have I talk about them every single week and they've actually been giving up a good amount of fantasy points to opposing wide receivers but it's going to be extremely tough for a guy like LaVisca Chanel who's kind of newer to the outside wide receiver position to go up against Xavier Howard and Byron Jones you know he's a pretty raw wide receiver I don't expect him to get open a bunch I don't think expect him to you know manufacture him touches at all so I think that this is going to be a spot where until we see a role change or we see our Urban Meyer start caring about who's on the field when and who's getting targets when I think he's a wide receiver four at best until we see either a juicy matchup role change or Urban Meyer, you know, maybe even gets fired. Then we have a more polished outside wide receiver, AJ Green in Cleveland. And AJ Green's role is kind of diminishing here. I'm not saying that he's like becoming dust. It's only a one week sample, but he's went from 18% of the target share to 21% to only 7% last week. We saw Rondell Moore trend up, get more targets, more routes last year or last week. And that, that hurt both AJ Green and Christian Kirk. But I think that this is going to be a tough matchup for AJ Green as he's kind of getting, I wouldn't say phased out of the offense, but I think sooner rather than later, Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk will, you know, earn their earn their way in to more targets and more of AJ Green's opportunity. But AJ Green also has a tough matchup against the Browns this week where he is projected to have a poor matchup against the Cleveland DBs, against Greedy Williams, against Denzel Ward on the outside. I don't think he, he pretty much needs to luck into a touchdown to pay off in fantasy so for me this week he is a wide receiver four and i'm not really playing any of the cardinals wide receivers besides deandre hopkins our last wide receiver is a man beloved by many mccall hardman as my last sit here and i think people are going to be really optimistic with mccall hardman after last week right so he had 12 targets he had nine receptions both of those were career highs and i think people are going to want to jump on that but it was a weird game where they were in a really weird game script they're not always in they were it was an extremely negative game script coming from behind the entire game Tyree Kill tweaked his, his knee late and prior to that game Hardman only saw seven targets combined in his previous two games 
So I don't think that he's going to just get throttled into a role where he gets more targets. I don't think that you lose a game. I don't think that you lose that game and go to the drawing board and say, you know what we needed to do? We need to get McCall Hardman more touches. There's no way. There's no way. It's it's. We need to get Tyree Kill more touches. We need to get Travis Kelsey more touches. We need to play a more efficient offense. And I think he probably goes back to his limited role from the prior weeks. Uh, I probably have him as like a wide receiver five for the week. Now that's going to do it for us today, fellas. As always, appreciate talking ball with you guys. Now it's time for me. What is it? 4:40 p.m. on Thursday. So now I'm going to sit down from like now until kickoff grind out these weekly rankings i usually i like to do these videos beforehand so i can kind of get a feel for you know who i like as plays for the week and who i don't like now with that being said if you want access to those weekly rankings again only five dollars on the patreon patreon.com slash ron stewart it'll be in the description it'll be down below in the comments i love you guys good luck on your teams this week on your in your matchups tomorrow we'll, we'll come out with so what is today friday tomorrow we'll do a you know rest of season type video and then Saturday, sunday will be a private q a live stream start and sit live stream for the patrons now with that being said i love you guys as always i'll see you in the next one